0: Thank you, Jan. Great job. Certainly, God's method of choosing is not man's method of choosing. And we have another example of that tonight as we return to our study of the book of Judges. Judges chapter number 7. Look again at the man named Gideon. You may remember... From last time, that we observed as Gideon clearly had the will of God revealed to him. We witnessed uh, an amazing display of the compassion of God as he miraculously and graciously provided Gideon's request for confirmation through the fleece. Gideon was really now out of excuses. And to his credit, he was ready to lead the Israelites to a great victory over the Midianites. We begin this evening with the recognition that Gideon had sent out a call. A call to all the able-bodied men in the nation to join him to fight the Midianites. 32,000 men had shown up. And no doubt as he looked over that group, he might have thought, well, cool. You know, it might just be possible that we could win this battle. After all, it was only four to one odds. If you look at the text and you're reading chapter 7 and chapter 8, you find that the Israelites had 32,000 men, the Midianites had 135,000 men. I'm sure the Israelites thought, well, any Israelites good for four Midianites, we'll be, we should be okay, no problem. Verse 1 of chapter 7 says, Then Jerubbabel, and that's Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Mora in the valley. But then verse 2 follows, And the people who are with you are too many, I'm sure Gideon thought at that point, I know I just misunderstood what you said. You couldn't have said there, we have too many. You meant they have too many. But God said, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. So, in a moment, he decreased his army by two thirds. In line with Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8. All the fearful were allowed to go home. It thinned the army from 32,000 to 10,000 10, in a moment, and now the odds are increased from 4 to 1 to 14 to 1. It's getting a little iffy now. I don't know where any man probably here says, I, you know, I could strap on a sword. I, I believe I could take any 14 men in hand-to-hand combat, even all at once. I could take them. Well, but God's not through yet. He says to Gideon in verse 4, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And it will be that of whom I say to you, This shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, This one shall shall not go with you, the same shall not go. And so he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, he shall set apart by himself, likewise everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. The number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. And then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who have lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man, to his place. Now Gideon has successfully reduced the number to a mere 300. That's 450 to 1. It is a popular notion among many of the commentators that uh, God kept only Gideon's best soldiers that those who were watchful uh, were the ones who drank carefully, as be distinguished from those who were carelessly fell on their knees and drank without watching. Well, the only problem with that is it's not supported in Scripture. And just as easy an argument could be made that the ones who were looking around were the ones who were fearful. As, man, as the men who fell on their knees to drink were the ones who were not afraid. The issue here is to engage the enemy with a handful of soldiers to display God's power. The water drinking episode, in my opinion, was just the method that God chose to further reduce Gideon's army. From this story and the life of Gideon, I want to... Draw four great principles this evening on how God can perform a great victory with a faithful few. First of all, God can perform a great victory with a faithful few who will be entirely dependent upon Him. It says in verse 8 And so the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and He sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to His tent and retained those 300 men and now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. If you work in corporate America, you are no doubt familiar with the management concept of downsizing. Simply means that you are told to do more with less. However, nations don't usually downsize when they're preparing for war. Rather they mobilize They bring in their reserves, they cancel all leaves, and the request for discharge and retirement. Everyone is put to work. Yet God frequently trims our resources to get us to depend entirely upon him. When God takes away what we think we need, often he's taking away what he knows we do not need. Sickness. Financial reversal, family conflict, other difficulties can all cause us to turn our lives over to God. When the odds seem overwhelming, God overwhelms the odds. God's already brought Gideon's force, which was outnumbered to begin with, 4-1. Midian army was 135,000 strong, and yet... Gideon's army was only 32,000, he took it down to 10,000, and from that to 300. Gideon must be at this point wondering about the mere chance of surviving this whole ordeal. To guarantee that history would record this battle as a divine victory, God issued an order for a massive reduction in force. Sometimes it's cynically observed that God is on the side of the army with the most men. That's not the case here. Gideon's army proved otherwise. The victory is in the hand of God. After returning most of his army to civilian status, Gideon's only hope was the Lord of hosts. The downsizing results in Gideon being left with a meager 300 men. He was left virtually without an army. His only option was to trust God or die. Who gets the credit when we are successful? Do we bask in our victory, the success we've had, or do we praise God for his work in our lives? In his book, <coughs> Hearts of Iron and Feet of clay, Gary Inrig states, You cannot be too small for God to use, but you can be too big. If you want credit for what God is doing, God will not use you. And that is why, as you look around, you will see God working in a powerful way in the lives of some very weak people. They are people who are careful to give God the glory. I think we can almost imagine Gideon's state of mind. The odds were not very good to begin with, and then they got worse. But there is a principle here. Gideon's looking over the Valley of Jezreel. This, by the way, has another name. It's called the Valley of Medigo. It's where the Battle of Armageddon will be fought one day. As he is looking over this, he looks at his 300 men he has left, and then he looks at the enemy camp. He feels overwhelmed, overwhelmed with inadequacy. And that's exactly what God wants. He wants us to come to the place where we realize that we are bankrupt in ourselves. Unlike popular psychologists, God does not propose that we just need to believe in ourselves. Our modern society celebrates self-reliance, but God strips us bare, forces us to recognize our frailty and our inadequacy. God shows us that human resources are insufficient for the battles that we will face. God then teaches us the lesson of dependency. And that dependency, in turn, leads to confidence, not in ourselves, but in Him. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 5, and this is the New Living Translation, it is not that we think we can do anything of lasting value by ourselves. Our only power and success comes from God. Paul affirms that our Sufficiency comes from God alone. For he told the church at Philippi, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Gideon's army had been reduced to such proportions that they really had no other alternative. They could trust in God or they could die. God can perform a victory with a faithful few who will be entirely dependent on him. Secondly, God will perform a great victory with a faithful few who will receive their encouragement from him. It's a strange story that begins in verse 9. He once again undergirds Gideon and his lack of confidence it says it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, "Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands." He says, "Go down to the enemy camp." Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? But if you're afraid to go down, go to the camp. Go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. And he said. So then he went down with Purah his servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number and as the sand by the seashore in multitude. There was a bunch of them. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midianite, a Midian. It came to a tent and struck it, and so it fell and overturned, and a tent collapsed and Then his companion answered and said, "This is nothing less, nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, and into his hands God hath delivered Midian and the whole camp, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. So God, well aware of Gideon's weak faith, reassures him by allowing him to overhear a conversation between two enemy soldiers. As Gideon conducts this covert reconnaissance, he and his servant gather some rather encouraging intelligence. They're in concealment, no doubt. Gideon listens as two Midianite soldiers discuss a strange dream. Now, In ancient times, dreams were highly regarded as a means of predicting the future. In the dream... A hard loaf of barley bread rolls into the Midianite camp and flattens one of the tents. You really kind of have to catch the humor here. First of all, when we think of loaf, I don't know about you, I think of loaf. Yeah, loaf of bread. We're talking about a round loaf of bread in this particular context. What destroys the tent? Not a tornado. Not an earthquake, not a bolt of lightning from the sky, not a rock slide. No, it's a barley bun. Not a big bun either. Think of bagel. Bagel comes rolling down the hill, rolls into the tent. Now they conclude that the loaf represents Israel. Barley is the most, is the Most base of all the grains. It's usually reserved for feeding the cattle. So you know you're way down on the bottom of the list when you're eating barley. But because the Midianites kept coming and stealing the wheat harvest, barley was all that Israel had to eat. And so the impoverished Jews were reduced to eating barley bread. The tent, obviously, could only represent the nomadic Midianites. As he hears the story, the other soldier says, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon. God has given Midian and all the camp into his his hand. Now, this is not a chance. This is not a lucky break. The sovereign God... Gave Gideon a sign of his own. God so loved Gideon. God so loved the Israelites that he not only protected Gideon during his invasion into this enemy territory to do this reconnaissance, but he makes a man dream that a barley loaf will come rolling into the Midian camp and destroy it. Gideon... Think about the odds of this, folks. Gideon walks right up on the only guy in the camp who had this dream. One in 135,000 soldiers. He walks up to the one man who had this dream. Just as he's relaying his dream to his fellow soldiers. God led Gideon to the specific tent, to the specific man, and then he timed his arrival so that he would hear the dream and its interpretation. Gideon's heart needed to be encouraged, and so he not only hears the dream, he hears the interpretation. And the pagan Midianite says that God is going to deliver them into Israel's hands. Gideon's fears and doubts were overcome. He was mentally prepared for the battle. Not only was Gideon encouraged by the report that was circulated, but it was, as it was circulated through the Midianite camp, it prepared the heart of the enemy as well. God frequently <clears throat> works like that. Have you ever felt the need to talk to somebody about something? I mean, really feel burdened to speak to them. And you finally get around to going and seeing them. And when you begin to talk to them, they say something like, you know, that's strange. I've been thinking about that for four days. God prepares the hearts of those to whom he will speak. Third God can perform a great victory with a faithful few, few a few, a few of them, who are completely obedient to his instructions. Verse sixteen. Then he divided the three hundred men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in each man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me, and do likewise, Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, and you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and Gideon. And So Gideon and the hungered men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and, that were in their hands. And then the three <clears throat> companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hand for blowing, and they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The Midianites have swords and spears and camels. The Israelites have clay pitchers, torches and trumpets. Gideon's ammunition pretty strange. Assembling his army of 300, he divided them into three companies of a hundred each. He armed them with the trumpets, the empty clay pitchers and the torches. This minuscule force really had only one thing strategically in its favor, and that was the element of surprise. At Gideon's command, they took positions outside the perimeter of the enemy camp. In other words, they completely surrounded the enemy camp. He tells us that they got there at the, at the beginning of the second watch. The beginning of the second watch would be just after midnight. Just after midnight, when these men are in their deepest sleep, just after the changing of the watch, they now mount their surprise. Gideon's command, they took that position. Then out of the night came this startling sound of 300 clay jars being smashed on the ground and the blinding light of 300 torches suddenly piercing the darkness and the blare of 300 ram horns signifying an attack. Now, understand, from the Midianite perspective, they're sound asleep. All of a sudden, they hear a terrible noise. Light everywhere, 300 trumpets. Usually, one trumpet to every thousand men. So they've got in their minds that they are in a world of trouble. They are surrounded by a huge, overwhelming force. Then the Israelites shouted with a blood-curdling scream, the sword for the Lord and for Gideon. God can perform a great victory with a faithful few who will be completely obedient to his instructions. And fourth and finally, God can perform a great victory with a faithful few who have a commitment to stand in the place where God has put us. Verse 21 of chapter 7, significant enough, I think you ought to underline it, it says, and every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and screamed out and fled. And when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord Set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp and the army fled. Panic. seized the enemy. Now, think about it for a moment. You have a group of Midianites. You have a group of Amalekites. You have several other tribal groups with them as well. When out of the middle of the darkness, they feel that they're overwhelmed, it sounds like they're being attacked from all sides, and so they get up in a panic. In their unpreparedness and their confusion, they hastily begin attacking anybody who came out of the dark, and that was their own soldiers. Now, understand, in those days, you didn't have men who were all dressed alike. This is our army because this is our uniform. They all dress differently. Some of these men speaking different languages. And all they know is people coming at them out of the dark and every man thinking the other man is the enemy. Not knowing who was friend or foe. <coughs> the Jewish soldiers just held their position. They just stood a safe distance away and allowed them to kill each other. King Solomon wrote <coughs> later, in Proverbs 28 verse 1, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. They stood their ground, each man precisely in his place, doing exactly as he was commanded to do, and the result was a stirring victory. In like manner, our responsibility is to blow the bugle, to proclaim the gospel, to Hold high the torch, according to Philippians, to live a light of light in a dark and fallen world, to shout aloud for the honor of our God. And then God will also grant for us a victory. Let me conclude with some words of wisdom from the venerable Bible scholar Warren Warnsby. He said the church of today can also learn from this event in the life of Gideon. And to be encouraged by it. God doesn't need large numbers to accomplish his purposes, nor does he need especially gifted leaders. Gideon and his 300 men were available for God to use, and he enabled them to conquer the enemy. When the church starts to depend on bigness, big buildings, big crowds, big budgets, then faith becomes misplaced and God cannot give His blessing. The most important thing is for us to be available for God to use just as He sees fit. We may not fully understand His plan, but we can fully trust His promises and it's faith in Him that gives the victory. Let's pray. Father, thank You for a reminder from the life of Gideon that it's still possible with a faithful few to do great things for you. In fact that you would rather use a faithful few to accomplish your purposes so that no man might get the honor, so that you might get the glory. Father, we pray that you'd help us. Help us just to make ourselves available to be used however you see fit. To use us for your honor and glory, to accomplish your purposes in this world, to use us where we are, to stand in our place, to do what you've commanded us to do, reach this world for you, beginning right here, right where we are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me. Brother Dan's going to be here. God's spoken to your heart in some way tonight. I'd love for you to have an opportunity to receive.